1: I'm so thankful that this episode is sponsored by one of my favorite companies, SimProve. Now I'll tell you all about them later, but for now, I'll just say this. It's a food supplement containing live and active bacteria, which honestly has done absolute wonders for both mine and my family's health. More information at SimProve.com, and it's spelt S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E with discount code G-A-B-Y 15. For 15% off the 12 week program. Gabby Roslin Podcast! Thank you so much for tuning in to that Gabby Roslin Podcast. On this episode, I chat to the hilarious Rob Beckett. Now, this man is such a genuinely lovely, down to earth person. He even says himself that becoming famous has actually made him nicer. We chat about studying tourism at university, how he got into comedy, and the fun he used to have working in an office. Can you imagine working with Rob Beckett in office? You would get no work done. He also talks about hosting the Royal Variety performance, learning to be confident, being starstruck by Alan Davis, pooing his pants and Andy Murray's penis. Yes, so many giggles. We've chat about his friendship with fellow comedian Ramesh Ranganathan and their brilliant TV show that I am addicted to. It makes me laugh so much. Rob and Ramesh Versus, which is available to watch on Sky One and Now TV, plus his hugely popular podcast called Lockdown Parenting Hell with Josh Widdicombe. Enjoy.
0: I'll say thank you so much for having me on your podcast and I think your audience should know this how wonderful you are that you used to get me on your Be Radio London show to be funny and then when I got offered a pilot for a radio show which went on to be my absolute show you went out for lunch with me and you told me what to do and gave me loads of advice which was invaluable so thank you so much and everyone needs to know how lovely you are and if they hate me you're the reason why I'm here and I've existed. But
1: I feel like a member of your family because you're lovely. I know your family. I've met them all. Your auntie, who was, who was, extremely friendly to me when I came to see at one of your live gigs. I've seen you a few times.
0: Yeah, you've come to a few shows.
1: What was your auntie's name?
0: Auntie Tina.
1: Auntie Tina. Yes.
0: (laughs) Everyone loves Auntie Tina.
1: Oh, she was so sweet. But all your family, and they're so proud of you.
0: Oh, well, that's yeah, I think oh, I think, I think um, that's very kind of you to say. But, yeah, they, they, they do. They, also, it's quite lucky. They all love comedy as well and telly. So, at least, you know, if, if I did something they didn't like, I think they'd still be proud of me, but they wouldn't be able to enjoy it. So, I think they get to enjoy what I do. You know what I mean? Like
1: That is so important. You hear from so many people that, oh, my, my parents weren't supportive of what I wanted to do. Or they said, oh, no, why don't you get a real job? Yeah. You're your parents just went you do it didn't
0: they you know what there's that discussion of like the privilege type thing of like um coming from a privileged background so for example someone may have gone to a private school and then gone to oxford university and got into comedy that way and stuff like that and that's you know a great um upbringing they've had but sometimes i find those sort of my peers that had that journey into comedy they they're, they're sort of having to prove themselves all the time to their parents because their parents are a bit like What well, you're not gonna be a barrister then well, you're not going to, you know, run a big company and stuff like that. I was privileged in just 100% support from my parents, which you can't really put a price on. There's no, you know, it's not. there's no equivalent of like, oh, you used to get, you know, great schooling and stuff. But to have that support and, that, you know, they're not pressuring you to do something more important or serious. What's
1: so wonderful about your parents, you can see it in their eyes now that they feel exactly the same as they always did, if that makes sense. That they, when when you were little, they were proud of you. Now, now you're doing what you do, they're proud of you. And they're not in awe
0: No no I mean whenever anyone says oh you must be so proud of Rob they go I'm proud of all my kids it's almost combative like an argument's gonna kick off you implying that I'm not proud of the other ones (laughs) so um, yeah they're really they're they're really lovely and they just everything's quite normal no one really talks about the job really when I go home it's sort of quite I mean it's that arguably they talk about it less than they did when I worked in like Sainsbury's there was more of a conversation about hours work (laughs) so it's very much keep keep your feet on the ground type conversation but isn't
1: that great That's great. You see, when somebody says how was work and I've so I've been doing this nearly actually as long as you've been alive, which is a little scary. But (laughs) um, that is when you said your age, I thought, oh, my God. Uh, But when somebody says how was work, I love it. Not, who did you talk to today? Or did you meet so-and-so? When they just go, how was work?
0: Yeah, exactly. And then I'd go, yeah, it was all right. And then just talk about something else. Because I, I, I was speaking to Ramesh about it the other day. He's a good friend of mine. I do a lot of shows with him. Yeah, um, I know who you mean, Yeah, We're both, <laughs> uh, yeah, he don't do much telly. He's just dipping <laughs> his toe in it. I was out for, we went out for dinner and then like, we, we were on the way home, and I was like, at no point did either of us, like, during the meal, have to feel like we had to do, like, an Instagram story or a or tag someone in, or we just sort of had dinner. Do you know what I mean? Where some people love all that, yes. made, but it's not not really my bag. What's really weird is a lot of people that aren't well known act like they're well known on social media. So they'll, like, buy a new shirt and they go, oh, thanks at whoever it is, like, you know, Ralph Lauren for the <laughs> shirt. They go, no, they've, they've not sent it to you. You're not advertising it. You just bought it. So wh- why? <laughs> Why are you doing a thanks as it like, but like implying that you're getting it as like a gift type thing. So it's really weird where I find that actually there's you know, and also like I find, you know, people used to say comedy is the new rock and roll. When I watched in an office that back in the day before Corona, that was rock and roll. Everyone was just pissed all day, every day. <laughs> I, I used to have four pints at lunch and go back in the office. That was. You are kidding me. No, I was an animal. That was, everyone did. It was at an events company where it was just like, that was way more rock and roll than comedy. I'm, I, I actually stopped drinking and going out when I started doing comedy because I wanted to do a good job because I loved it so much.
1: Oh, that is fantastic. But why, now, can we just go back to you working in a, an office and everything? Because didn't you train in tourism?
0: I went to uni back in the glory days where it was cheap and you didn't really have to have any grades. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And I went to Canterbury Christchurch University College with my uh, B, A, V, C, E and a D and an E. So I don't know how I got in, but I got in and I did tourism management. Just basically, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I just wanted to go and get drunk and have a laugh because that's what it looked like, uni. So I just sort of did it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't remember anything. I don't know anything about tourism. But that's so you know, funny. I had a great time.
1: That, I feel really sorry for all the students this year. I really do with oh, oh, no freshers week, no fun, no going out and being locked in the oh, I think
0: that's the worst generation. The, 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 you know, that 16 to 25 sort of age group where this is the time where you do go to festivals, you go to house parties, you just stay out all night. This is where you live your life and make mistakes and be silly. But it's also controlled and being trapped in your halls. And also I remember like how nervous and worried you are and leaving your family unit to go somewhere at 18. And, you know, imagine, you know, I, I just, I'm just worried for a lot of the mental health of these students of, like, being locked in their halls for days on end with people they don't really know yet. Do you know what I mean? So, poor kids. You need to do some specials on YouTube for... For uni students. To give them a freshest. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. That be quite funny. Do's and don'ts. Yes! I don't think I'm the person to be giving advice.
1: Yeah, why not? You're just... And they love you. And you're funny. And... And you had four pints at lunchtime and could still go back to work.
0: Do you know what? I genuinely think I was at my comedy peak when I worked in an office. (laughs) Because I I was so frustrated, I had no outlet. I was just like, I was just wandering around doing a one-man show in the office trying to not get sacked, wandering around pissed, just talking to people.
1: So is that what made you have the confidence to go out and do it then?
0: Basically, I just always loved comedy. I didn't realise how much I loved it. But now I have the outlet, I don't do it as much. But yeah, that was my... uh, my my stage almost, quite pathetically, looking back.
1: Oh, sorry, did you just say you're much more reserved these days?
0: So, like, yeah, no, I'm more reserved if, like, you know, like, if I go to a pub, I just have a drink and a laugh, but I'd be, like, getting wasted and showing off and being crazy and stuff like that because I didn't have anywhere. And I was in, I was in the office all day doing spreadsheets. I was driving me mental.
1: Can I tell you, in my life, I've never done a spreadsheet and I tell my husband... That I will never do a spreadsheet. I don't know why. You've just said the word that makes me go, makes my back crawl. I can't explain. I
0: hate forms. Just looking at the little like empty boxes to fill in, it hurts my brain. And also as well, what I'm struggling with, I can't learn through Zoom. But I'm in Zoom conversations, and our kids, my kids, started school, and basically what they do is because I teach them how to to read, yeah. And it's all like phonics. So do you know how to kids learn to read that? It? It's all like it's not A, B, C, D, and it that don't exist anymore. So all eh and all that, right? They sent a zoom link of like a 15-minute video of this, all the thing, <laughs> of all of it. And I'm just I just cannot take it in. I can't take in information for a screen. I've got to be with people and face to face. I I find it impossible to learn that way.
1: But sorry, it's just uh Duh, it's not that complicated. No,
0: it's yeah, but it's not because then there's blend, there's blending, then there's like triographs or something when there's free. Th- Hold on, no, just stop, just stop. You are Mr. Taskmaster. I thought you'd be
1: able to do anything.
0: <laughs> no, academically, I'm not great, right? But logically and common sense, I'm all right. But there's diagraphs, Triograph where it's like. a a sound... Oh, man, I I can't... It's sending me... But the problem is, my five-year-old, four-year-old, is telling me off when we're doing reading now.
1: Your baby's not four...
0: I've got two, yeah, five-year-old, well, five and three they're going to be at the end of the year, so, I know.
1: I remember when you were first, obviously you weren't due, but your (laughs) wife was due and you were doing a show and I came to see and you went, shh, don't tell anybody that I told you that we're having a baby. Yeah. And I I remember going up and you just gave me that you, it's a weird thing to remember, and I was with all your family and and there was this awful feeling of, like in Fawlty Towers when Don't Mention the War, (laughs) I thought I was going to keep saying congratulations on your pregnancy. Like Tourette's, it was out of control. And <laughs> oh, it was sorry. a horrible
0: feeling. Like, mm, you can't say it. Lou actually told me that she was pregnant. I'd just done Sunday night at the Palladium. Because basically they had this like, German magician on and he weren't ready. So went, oh, can you just go out while they sort his set out? So I did that and I could hear this like German magician like sawing a bit of his set behind me, set it all up. So it was all quite stressful, but it went quite it went quite well, and I come off and I was buzzing, and I, and I remember I was in the hall backstage, like halls of the Palladium, and I was like, "Was that all right?" And then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, but I've got to tell you so I got to tell so you I did a pregnancy test this morning, and I'm pregnant." And I was like, "My head was about to explode. <laughs> I just couldn't compute. It was just so much to take in." But uh, yeah, it was mad. That's where she found out.
1: Those sort of situations happen to you, don't they? It's nothing. Is sort of just like you walk down the street, and then it's it's. Always in your life, it's sort of rather magical. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, well, it, it does feel like oh, the, the stuff I've done in my career is sort of it's been mad, really. You know, like I mean, doing the role, hosting the royal variety performance last year with Romesh was just so surreal. Was it really? Yeah, because it's meant it's mad, isn't it? There's so much ceremony, and and, and it was just yeah, these. You sort of doesn't really sort of feel like my life as it was. It feels like I'm sort of watching myself do stuff which sounds odd but
1: you said that about children in need i remember beforehand bless you you were obvious. you know you were you were nervous about it and then we spoke beforehand and then afterwards i remember texting you and saying oh my god i watched you i'm so proud you were fantastic and all that gosh and and you then i think it was the next day or something you said i felt like i was watching myself doing yeah
0: and I, I still feel like that really because deep down i'm just sort of like like a sort of, because I was a very nervous sort of scared child, really. Like if I drop a glass on the floor, I'd sort of cry and panic. I'd done something wrong. I hate doing things wrong. And I've always have hated doing things wrong or make a mistake. And what I love about comedy is you know if you're doing it wrong because they don't laugh. So it's the purest form. It's tangible. You know, I'm sat on the sofa in my pants. and I've just eaten the peach. And then I flick over to him. It's a repeat of like, the like Apollo or something. And I look at myself and go, how did, how, where did that bloke go? Because it's not here, it's not here on the sofa, that confident bloke doing all those jokes to those people. So it, almost, it does not always feel like you're watching someone else do it, even though it is, is you. I don't know if that does, that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, completely, because so many performers have this sort of, this shyness that is there and it never leaves you. So it's interesting that yours doesn't leave you either.
0: I thought confidence was an inbuilt thing, but it's not, it's something you learn. You learn to be confident. You're not just confident. It's not something you write off as a kid. You're either like, you no, know, some people can run really fast, some people can't, but it's like anything. You can learn to be confident. And I think that's something that I, I've done and by just pretending that I'm confident. You know, that fake it till you make it, it's so true. And with comedy, it's if you act like you're in control and you act like you're calm, you'll give off the image that you're calm and people think you're calm and people will just say, oh, you're confident, aren't you? And then after a while, you start to believe it. And yeah, I was not a confident kid growing up at all. And even like Josh Whitaker, one of my good friends, he, I heard him talking about me on a podcast. He was like, Yeah, because I'd love to have that confidence, Rob has, that he's always just had that confidence of, you know. And I, but I've learned that. That's not something that I had. It's just something that sort of develops over time.
1: You are you, but just a sort of exaggerated version of yourself when you're on stage. Yes.
0: If anything, I think I'm a bit, well, I, you know, people say, the people always say, like, once you get famous, uh, people change and get meaner and harsher. I think I've actually got nicer. <laughs> because growing up in South East London, I remember I was trying to get this cab the other day, right, from a, a, a pub, and this woman stopped me and was like, oh, can I could get a photo. I was like, Yeah, cool, I'll have a quick photo. So I had a photo with her, and then it took a little while. So the cab the, the cab went, so then I told her another cab. Um, and, uh, and then as I was waiting for that cab, she came over again with a friend and went, Oh, can my friend have a picture? And she was like, uh, Excuse me, I don't even know who you are. Like, who are you? And I was like, Look, I've already missed a cab. It doesn't matter if you don't know who I am, I'm going to get a cab. Nice to meet you. Goodbye. But before I got any fame, I'd have gone, "Who the fuck are you?" Yeah, that's very funny. <laughs> do you know what I mean? i have gone, "Who are you? What are you do?" And it's actually because of the, you know, you have to maintain a sort of like, you know, representation of yourself. I've actually become politer. Where I think back in the day, I'd have uh, had to go back you're t- talking about podcasts. Uh, so yeah. you and
1: Josh do podcast. I mean, you do everything. So you're on YouTube. i please You've got to do the university one. But, <laughs> okay. um, and also uh, YouTube with the lockdown parenting help podcast. It's so nice to hear guys doing that, you see. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, basically, it's so hard with the kids in lockdown. It's just in general, being a parent is impossible. And I was sick of seeing all, like, the perfect Insta parents and stuff. And or, It's either, basically, you're the perfect mum or dad who does yoga and baking, or you're, like, scummy mummy-type person where it's just, like, oh, I don't care what we, they do and stuff. Or I fall, I fall somewhere in the middle, do you know what I mean? I want them to learn and be engaged with them, but also I can't, you know, can't dominate your whole day. So I just thought there was no one sort of talking about those sort of things. And also blokes talking about it. And, you know, especially like as a, work, a working class bloke, you're not always seen as sort of that hands-on a parent, but you know, me and Josh is 50-50 in our respective relationships with looking after the kids. When well obviously when I'm at home and not not working. Um so yeah, I just wanted to be like a bit more of an honest thing of like blokes actually talking about it and caring rather than like, oh, God, you never guess what my wife made me do the other day. We didn't want it to sound like that, but um, we wanted to strike that balance of talking about being a parent and stuff.
1: Now, as promised, I'd like to tell you more about our fantastic sponsor of this episode. They are Simprove. Now, I know that this is an advert, but I've honestly been telling everyone about this company for years before we started working together. And honestly, hand on my heart, that is the truth. It's a food supplement containing live and active bacteria to support gut health and a balanced microbiome. The reason it's different from others you may have tried in the past is because it's unique, because it's water-based, which means that it travels straight through to your gut to thrive and multiply. They're a family-run brand produced on a farm nestled in the stunning Surrey Hills. I've actually been there. I've seen how it all works. I've learned everything about this brand. That's what a fan I am. They're such a lovely bunch of people who are so proud of their heritage and their evidence-based product. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, suitable for vegetarians and vegans. It's available as a subscription or start with their introductory 12-week program which is how we started and then we didn't look back and we take it every single day. If you learn one thing today, it's that the gut has an incredibly strong connection to the brain which is a two-way conversation that goes on constantly. I cannot emphasize enough that when you sort your gut out your general health just feels so much better. Now, for more information Visit the Simprove website, that's S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E, that's Simprove.com, or follow on Instagram at simproveyourlife They also have such a helpful customer care team. If you want to chat to them, they'll answer your questions. They are brilliant. We'll put the phone number in the episode description. Now we have an exclusive discount just for listeners to this podcast. You can get 15% off the 12-week program by entering this promo code when you're at the checkout. It's Gabby, and that's one B, -B G-A-B-Y one five. Gabby and the number 15 for new customers in the UK. So when I was reading up about you, Rob, and I know you really well, here are some things I've got written down. Being starstruck by Alan Davies, pooing your pants and Andy Murray's knob.
0: Yeah. Wow, what, what a few bullet points you got there. I know. Where do you want to start? Where did you poo your pants? <laughs> Where did I poo my pants? I've, I've pooed my pants a number of times. I've always <laughs> said I've never trusted, I don't trust anyone that's not messed themselves. <laughs> Because you're either lying or you have not living an exciting enough life.
1: But why is that online?
0: I don't know, you know, I which story do you want, Gabby, really? I did do a gig on a boat once and had food poisoning. It was an absolutely terrible evening. Oh, no.
1: That didn't actually really happen on stage.
0: Basically, I had food poisoning, so I was... I was the MC, so I was going on and off, um, and I managed to like do the first ten minutes, go off stage, and go down to the toilet below deck and sort of evac, as it were. I think that's probably the best way to to describe it. Both ends, and then I was going back up to carry on gigging um, because you know you got responsibilities, and I'd survive in the gig. And then it was just uh, on the last like minute of it, I uh, I sort of said a, I got a big laugh dealing with a heckler, and I sort of relaxed a bit too much, and there was a, <gasps> there, was a there was a slight incident where I, and I had to. Um, Sort of uh, dispose of some pants on the journey home, Gabby. It was, it was, oh, I'd different. say was one of the you know low points of my crib. It's great. It's great to be brought be brought up for your listeners. You know they've had Dame Judy Dench and Robbie Williams on it, and they've got me talking about it. <laughs>
1: no, but it's so weird. Of all the weird things that I found online, and then about you talking about
0: Andy Murray, I did League of Their Own with him, and he, they put up a uh, X-ray of him and. Uh, He's got just a massive knob in the x-ray and uh, we were just talking about how big his penis was really um, on the show and then the the Sun newspaper just ran with that and it turned into this big Rob Beckett scene, Andy Murray's knob and I haven't, only on an x-ray, but you know what the papers are like.
1: That was everywhere about you and Andy Murray. It's just written. Ridiculous.
0: I've never even actually seen it. I might have to give him a ring just to say, look, can I have a look? No, please don't. Let's, no. Can no. I have a look at it now? Because it's in the paper that I have seen it. So it's probably disingenuous if I haven't seen it yet. No, too much? Let's leave it. All right. OK, well, if you, if you get him on the show, you could ask him for me. No,
1: well, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll be my
0: opening gamut. OK, well, I'll leave me to deal with that. then.
1: OK, I'll leave that to you. Um, and also Alan Davis. Is this true you were starstruck by Alan Davis?
0: Yeah, he's one of my comedy heroes growing up. His stand-up, I mean, I love Jonathan Creek as well and QI, but his stand-up was one of the first VHSs, him and Peter Kay and Eddie Murphy and and I loved it because, you know, he's just a bloke from Essex and he was so, so good at stand-up. He's, so he's one of my heroes. And then I'm an Arsenal fan as well and I was waiting to, for my mate outside the station to go watch Arsenal play and he was there and I could feel myself going, oh my God, it's Alan Davies, Alan Davies. was the first time I've sort of been, it- you know, you sort of your hands get itchy. You're like, oh my-. And I didn't know what to do or say and I didn't even want to go and speak to him because I'd be too nervous. And then he came come over to me because I just started call comedy. He went, hello, Rob, how's it going? What was you being funny on the other day? And I was like... So mind blown and I didn't realize that I stepped back and I stood on my friend's foot that I didn't even noticed he'd, he was there. And because I was so engrossed in this conversation, I just stood <laughs> on my mate's foot for like five minutes and he didn't want to say anything. I saw.
1: I remember seeing him live and properly, you know, when you have one of those proper belly laughs.
0: Ah, oh, he's great. I didn't think it's so important for people to see someone like themselves on telly to give them encouragement that they can do it and i think that's why you know diversity on screen is so important and like i think yeah. it went a bit underreported. reported and always shout about it but but when me and Ramesh did the Raw Variety performance, like from a working class bloke presenting it anyway, it's quite good. But Ramesh, like, you know, second generation immigrant, like, you know, he was born here, but his mum and dad moved over to Sri Lanka, the first Asian man to present the Raw Variety performance, which is like, I thought it was incredible. And for like young Asian boys and girls to watch that and see Ramesh do that, I think it's absolutely incredible. I just think if you just turn up and nail it, I think it's so important for the younger generations to watch, you know, Ramesh, just go out there and just be hilarious.
1: You and Ramesh have an—I mean, the show is fantastic. I love your Sky show. But your relationship, how, how far does it go back? I mean, how did this happen?
0: We both started comedy, I think, in 2009, literally within a couple of weeks of each other. So the, the, the open mic circuit's really small. So immediately met on that. And then we was all in the New Act competition finals together. And it's just weird. It's sort of, we just sort of mirrored each other all the way through where we got on the week about the same time. um, And then we did this, the Rob and Romish show together. And then they asked us to do the Royal Variety show. So it's like, it's, it's mad really that we've just sort of strangely mirrored each other's career. And we are, you know, genuinely, he's one of my best mates, our families, you know, we, have dinners and the kids come around to play. We go on holidays together and stuff. So it's like, it's a genuine friendship. And I don't think you can force that, you know, and people love seeing mates on screen, I think. And luckily for us, we are friends and we love it. And it's not sort of like a fake friendship.
1: What I love about him is he's got this image that you see, but he is, he'd probably hate this when he hears this. He's so gentle and funny and sweet.
0: Yes, he's so kind and helpful to people to the point where I have to go, Ramesh, tell them no. You can't do that. You you know, just say no. I've never heard him say no in his life to anyone. He's so generous. That's so lovely. But yeah, also as well, I want to say as well, his image turnaround has been outrageous. And I don't know how he's done it because he's he's an ex-maths teacher. He taught maths at the school he went to, right? And anyone that teaches at the school they went to, I mean, it it does, it's not the coolest thing, is it? It's not the coolest job to sort of stay in the same school. So he was a maths teacher at the school he went to and his clothes when he first started comedy were awful. But now, all of a sudden, he's become the hip-hop guy. And he's got his (laughs) hip-hop podcast. He's got the glasses, the trainers, and he's like... He looks like, a, like an American rap producer. Like, this, and like, how have you managed this?
1: He is a delight. We did um, Would I Lie to You together, and I properly, I said to him afterwards, I said, oh, my goodness, you're nothing like you are as screen, and he just looked at <laughs> me and smiled, that really gentle smile. I just thought, you are, oh, what a delight. So, yes, tell him that I'd like to speak to him, please. Defo. Can you just explain to me about stand-up? Because this, and I know I've said it to you a number of times, but talking a poo in your pants, the idea... I mean I'll do anything. I like zip wiring. I love live television. It's my it's my deep love. Yeah. Anything crazy. But the idea of doing stand up instantly makes my bottom clench. I just oh and when you said earlier about if people don't laugh that must be just I can't even put it into words. Do you know what's
0: mad though? It's like when you're talking, I could feel in your voice, that You when you, actually, you said zip and you, you, I could feel you smiling as you said it, but then when you said stand up and your bottom clench, I could literally feel your body sort of tense, like just from the words. And like when you said stand up to me, I smiled. Ooh. That's my initial interactions. Ah, oh, stand up. Yeah. Like, I would love to do that. Well, I hate anything like zip wires. I hate theme park rides. I hate that sort of adrenaline rush. I just don't enjoy that kind of thing, but I don't know why. I just love, I just love the buzz of stand up but I think in a way I'm quite of control. I like the control of it where I I don't like any adrenaline rush where I'm not in control so I like live TV I like stand up but I, but I don't I, I can't explain it but I just love it and I just feel You've got to have respect for stand-ups because it, it's so difficult and takes so long to be oh, crap at it.
1: Major respect.
0: The, 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 the level of effort you have to go to just to be rubbish at it is remarkable. So never mind be half decent. It takes so long to get anywhere with it. But I just, I, I love it because I hate admin. I hate all the emails and all that stuff. So when I go on stage, all I've got to do is one thing, which is make them laugh. And that's all I have to do. And I find that quite liberating because I can just put the shut the door and all the other rubbish in your head and all the other nonsense and just concentrate on that and talk until they laugh, shut up for a bit. And if they're not laughing, say something else. And I, I don't know, I'm simplifying it there, but for me, that's just how I approach it. And I, I love it. I, I can't, you know, I'll do that when I'm, 60 70 where some comedians sort of go oh god I can't wait till I do something else I don't have to do stand-up anymore but I'll I'll be doing it when I'm 70 years old just get wheeled out I, I, I love it
1: what does it feel like if they don't I can't imagine they don't not laugh because I've seen you live but but if they don't laugh is it not uh, galling because I know other comedians one of my best friends he just says when he goes out there and if you don't get a laugh he said it just it kills you inside very deep inside when
0: you first start it does because you don't know if you're good or not you don't there's nothing to compare it to so when you those early gigs when you die you die on your ass it is awful it like stays with you for weeks and weeks and weeks but well the best way to describe it, it's like any job you do so if you start a new job it is stressful isn't it you get a bit nervous you go in you don't know who to talk to what the right thing to say is and all that kind of stuff but the thing that helped me was i don't know if you've heard about the stages of competence and it's it, when you start a new job or a new challenge, and it always is the same for me when I start to write a new show. Whenever you start anything new, there's you start off with unconscious incompetence, which is like ignorance is bliss, you know, beginner's luck, where you go on and do something. Like if you present a radio, say you do a radio show for the first time, you've never done radio before, you go, that was alright, wouldn't it? Because you're not even aware of the mistakes you're making. Right? And then from there you progress to um conscious incompetence, where that's a very stressful stage where you go, oh, god I did the news wrong but I don't have to do it right I did all that wrong I did this wrong so you're aware of your mistakes and then you move up to conscious competence where you know how to do something but you have to concentrate the whole time and then what you are aiming for is unconscious competence where yeah. you can just go out and get on with it and you don't even realize like driving your car you could drive your car now talk to your kids drop someone off pick someone up take a phone call because you're at that level of unconscious competence when you're driving so with comedy it, what's painful is the stages to get to that unconscious competence. But when you get to that stage and you've got a tour show that you know at the back of your hand and you can just do it and then on top of that, you can improvise around it all because you're so confident where the next bit of material is, that state is unmatched through any sort of drink or drugs or that, that when you're just there and you're operating that field where you go, they are hilariously laughing and I know that I've got five more better jokes lined up to go at them. That feeling is just unmatched and that's the sort of state I think comedians are hunting for and that's why it's like an addiction, you're always after that next sort of buzz and for me, I, I can't imagine living my life without, without it, to be honest.
1: That's fascinating, I'd never thought of it in all of those levels but I understand the addiction and the obsession because mm. I'm like that about presenting TV. I, it's just, I couldn't live my life not doing it. Yeah, I get the feeling that you always realise how lucky you are.
0: Oh, of course! I'm so lucky to have that feeling of something that I love to do. But you've just got to—you've just got to sometimes just give it a go because you, you never know if it's possible to do. It. That's what my mum's always said to me. Like, it's not about knowing what you want to do; it's about crossing off stuff you don't want to do. You know, like, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. And then eventually you can just narrow it down to what it is that you do want to do. Um, and that's why, like, I, I'll, I'll try podcast, I'll do radio, I'll do YouTube, I'll do comedy, because there might be something else. I actually enjoy more on comedy, but I won't know it until I try it. So I think if you're constantly pushing yourself to try new things, then hopefully you may find and strike upon the thing that you sort of get a buzz from doing every day, which, you know, I'm so lucky to have.
1: But what makes you laugh?
0: I love... Um, Silly sort of slapstick stuff. Like, I'm obsessed on TikTok of just... I've got, like, just people slipping over. Yes! Or people... Yes! Other people like that. I love that stupid kind of stuff. And act, that silly little accidents like that. That kind of slapstick stuff makes me lose my mind. Even my friends and my friendship group. I, I will cut you out of my life if you're not funny enough. Because I cannot... I've not got time for someone not to make me laugh. What is the point of that interaction? Why talk to anyone without a laugh being in there at any point? Well, it's a waste of a conversation, isn't it? I, well, I agree with you. Don't you think? I love laughter. There is nothing greater
1: than smiling and laughing. Yeah,
0: if I go and talk to someone, if if we haven't both laughed and we don't both walk away smiling, that's a waste of a that was a waste of a meeting. <laughs> well, what was the point? And that's, and I, you know. And I just, I've just always been like that. Just I can't, I can't suffer someone that's not interesting or funny. I just like, oh, I, I can't do it, and I just, I feel mean. But I'm like, you've got to up the banter here, and we're going to have to knock this on the edge.
1: No, I get that. I completely get. I've say one of my the weirdest phone calls that we ever had was about me ringing you about the chase because we, yes. were, we were doing the chase together, and we had yeah. <laughs> the most surreal conversation, and it was something about. You were in a cellar or uh, there was some strange conversation... And I lost it so badly in the street, and, and you were talking about putting your pants. But I actually weed myself from laughing in the street, uh, <laughs> and you were just telling me to calm down.
0: Oh yes, because you, you yeah, you wrote because basically you you got knocked out, didn't you, of the chase? Oh my god! I don't want to bring it back up, but then me, I hated then, it. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you 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 got beaten by the chaser, and then we went on to the final round. Me, Jeff Hurst, and Haley Tamerden I think it was. Yeah, so you all getting worked up and I was just going, calm down, Gabby, calm down. You made me laugh so much. I but, And there was another time
1: as well, your routine about the people that you <laughs> that you look like. And it was all the people that you look like that we didn't realise that you look like. And if I think about it now, and it was Pat Butcher. Oh, yeah. And there was a whole- It was
0: a list of like, a list of about 35 names that I sort of memorised. I've not done that uh, routine for probably about seven years, but... It's, it's still somewhere in my brain.
1: Who else was it that you looked like? And you do.
0: When you first started comedy and you're new, people just heckle you the whole time about who you look like. And people would normally go on and go, I know what you're thinking. Jesus has had a bad time if it was like a man with a beard and long hair or whatever. So I just went, um, I'll just get these out of the way. And it was just like a massive list and it all they slightly worked. It was a... Uh, uh, I'm. I'm not. Boris Johnson, Jack Swagger, Jeff Brazer, Biff Tannen, James L. Jones, Muka Barkidge, Princess Diana, Leslie Ash, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Myra Hindley, Craig Bellamy, Archie Johnson, Miss Piggy, Hay Arnold, Natasha Bedingfield, The Frog, Kurt Nielsen, Johnny Bravo, Buzz, Peggy Mitchell, Ian Bill, Oliver compact Pat Butcher, Scott Walker, Peter Lorry, Bam Bam, The Honey Monster, Billy Piper, and then yeah, someone else there, and yeah, yeah. Oh my so God. It was just I can't believe that's still in there. I think I missed a couple out, but yeah, that I used to just bang that out and it was what was good was because everyone always thinks you look like someone else so you could literally quickly get every single person in the room's thought so that people would laugh at different points so it was quite a good opening joke at the start
1: still makes me laugh and weirdly when you were going through them then Thinking of your face, thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, but he does. But you don't. But you do. Yeah,
0: I know, yeah. But, yeah, I, the delivery was rusty, but I think you got the message.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, you're brilliant. I just think you're so brilliant. And um, Also, the other thing I found online, it was in a student paper, was mm-hmm. your favourite ever joke. So I've got it written down here. And I want to know your favourite ever joke, and I'll tell you if you got it right.
0: I can't, I can't remember. Is it the Eric Malkin one where he's playing the piano and he says, "You're playing it wrong." I went, "I'm not playing it wrong, I'm just playing it in the wrong order." Is it that one? No. Oh, I've, I. Do you know what? I've got no idea, Gabby. Is it what? What my own favourite joke or my just joke in the world?
1: No, your favourite, your own favourite joke.
0: All oh, right. No, I've got. I, I can't. I've got no idea. What is it?
1: Well, when I say it, it's not going to be funny. So if I say it you have to say it back as you okay
0: yeah right. okay right apparently... well just give me a give me give me a clue and i'll, 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 I'll...
1: tv and
0: bookcase oh yeah that joke yeah that joke well, that got like joke of the fringe or something a few years ago but that was you know you're working class when your television is bigger than your bookcase it's perfect yeah it does the job that one didn't it <laughs>
1: It really does. It really, really does. So, when are you going to be going back and doing telly? Do you know about anything? Do you know about opening studios? And well, things? I've done bits and
0: bobs of uh, panel shows and stuff. I've did League of Their Own and stuff over the summer. I was filming again for Robin Romish Versus. So, we're going to go and do some more episodes of us exploring different worlds and different sports and stuff. So, that's starting up again. I think you need people, you know, pointing out the, the silly things in, in what's going on in the news. So, it's not just yeah. graphs and yeah and Piers Morgan shouting, you know what I mean? Like, we should talk about one of your old shows. We need the big breakfast more than anything ever. We need a fun breakfast show that people can go, yep, I'm aware there's COVID and i wear. BBC and ITV are going to be taking, you know, politicians to task. But here on Channel 4 or Sky One, wherever that show would sit, we are not going to talk about it. We'll have the news on once an hour, but we are going to just have fun and distract you and entertain you. And I I think we need that more than ever at the moment, just because I can't bear to look at another graph or, or case numbers, <laughs> whatever it is.
1: Well, I've got it. You and Ramesh doing a live weekly show, and I'll come on as the token mad woman there we go done
0: (laughs) fair enough sorted Sky
1: if you're listening sorted Um, listen uh, uh, give your family just huge kisses from me or or virtual hugs and kisses especially your auntie Tina and I just adore you you are brilliant you just make
0: me laugh oh thank you so much for having me Gabby I really appreciate it lots of love sweetie cheers thanks Gabby
1: Thank you so much to our sponsors of this episode of the podcast. They are, of course, Simprove. Now, to get your 15% off the 12-week program, just enter this promo code when you're at the checkout. It's Gabby15. That's G-A-B-Y and the number 15. And that's for new customers in the UK. Coming up next week, the wonderful comedian and actor and all-round lovely guy, Sanjeev Bhaskar. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Please press the subscribe button, and it will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's that Gabby Roslin podcast. Gabby Roslin podcast.
0: Mom